This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. The Red slump continues, records falling, but not the kind the Reds want reminding about. A first derby defeat since 2010, a first at Anfield this century, and Liverpool losing four consecutive home matches for the first time since 1923. Alongside me to reflect on what went wrong in the derby and how Liverpool get back on track, we've our chief Liverpool writer Ian Doyle, Theo Squires and Marcus Banks. Doyle, I'll come to you first. It said that bad habits are like a comfortable bed, easy to get into but hard to get out of. So how do Liverpool awake from this slumber? Um, well, the reality is that they don't. Uh, I think we have to admit that it's a bit of a problem for Liverpool. And if you look at what's gone wrong for them, there isn't an obvious way out, to be honest. I mean, we've got a, there's the story been breaking today that Diogo Jota is going to be hopefully back in training on Wednesday, which will at least give them a little more, a little you know, more options up front, possibly not for the Sheffield United game on Sunday. But then, you know, Jordan Henderson, he's the latest to go into the injury room. It means that Liverpool have now got the, you know, the the five main centre-backs who played this season, they're all injured. Um, so it's difficult to know what Klopp can do. I mean, he, he, he said, didn't he, it was quite funny, he did an interview with the, the official website after the uh, the game on uh, on Saturday. And he, he started talking about, you know, we played some good football, but then he kind of caught himself halfway through and went, look, I'm fed up hearing myself saying this, you know. I'm fed up, fed up hearing it because he knows that... I thought Liverpool played OK for about an hour against Everton, but they gave them... The goal at the beginning, they gave them the the penalty at the end, and in between they couldn't find a way through. I mean, Jordan Pickford had what was it two two good decent saves to make. One was brave, one was actually a good stop. But even the one that was a good stop was a 20, 25 yard volley, which you can never really count as a chance. So, I think Liverpool just have to keep on doing what they've been doing, and we're going to have to accept that this season they can't write this season off because looking forward or looking to the future next season you'd like to hope that things are getting a bit more back to normal they'd want to be in the Champions League but it's going to be very very hard for them now to to get into that top four because they're not going to obviously not going to catch City they're not going to catch probably now Leicester or or United unless something you know goes wrong you know unless United actually gets some injuries for once you know can't see them catching them which means that there's a couple of teams looking for this fourth spot I don't think West Ham will do it I think it's possibly between Liverpool and Chelsea you might say Everton too but Chelsea in the box seat. Uh, in in terms of that, even if they put, you know there are two points behind West Ham, I think Liverpool. There's still 13 games to go, so it's more than what is it? It's more than a third of the season to go, and I think people have to remember that. But it's going to take something special for them to get into that top four, and with the the amount of players that they've got missing in the key areas of. Uh, centre back and defensive midfield, you do wonder whether they've got it in them to do that, and I'd be very surprised if they have. Theo, is one of the real sort of concerns, issues, worries, sort of how the, the rot's really set in at Anfield now. No win, I think it's five games, isn't it, since going back to the West Brom game, and certainly four of those. It feels like you're watching the same game every time. Yeah, watching Liverpool at the moment, you don't know when they're going to score. It doesn't feel like they're going to score. Uh, for so long, there's been confidence in them that it doesn't matter what the scoreline is with five minutes to go, if they're losing, if they're drawing they would find a way to win the game. It's why they won the Premier League last year. They made this habit out of winning games by the odd goal, grinding it out. And now it's like the complete reverse. Jürgen Klopp, when he took over, it was to turn doubters into believers. Well, now they've lost all that belief. If they don't score first or don't score early, 
you can just feel them going, here we go again. And you never think they're going to turn it on. So you can't put it down to just losing a couple of players from injury. Something has changed in their mentality. And they're really struggling across the board. Like they lo- They've lost their leaders. Like now Jordan Henderson, we're expecting him to be out for a while. So that's no Van Dijk, no Milner for Avalon, no Henderson. It's like, well, what can they do to kickstart this around? Someone needs to grab it by the scruff of the neck and lead by example. And it's, well, this is why Liverpool would not have to be in this situation. It's a call back to a few years ago under the early years of FSG when they were struggling in games, when they were uninspired, they didn't have these world-class players. And it's just a lot more alarming now when on paper they've got a great squad and they've still got the Premier League champions in these ranks. Like, why are the front three suddenly struggling to break down defences? How come they've signed a £25 million playmaker in Thiago Alcantara, who we all admit is one of the best midfielders on the world, and it's not happening for them? Why have the fullbacks gone from getting 15, 20 assists each season to not being able to do anything? It's just at loss for words how it's all fallen apart. Um, you Normally you'd say it shouldn't have been weakening the midfield. Like If they need to get Henderson or Fabinho back in midfield, like it's one thing admitting your defence is going to be a lot weaker without Van Dijk, but m- making the second part of your team that much weaker as well by putting your centre midfielders at centre-back, just it's a stupid decision. But it's easy to say that in hindsight now. And now they don't have those midfielders anyway. So it's like they're running out of options and just something needs to give. And the more it goes on, the more belief they lose. And they just don't feel like they can turn it around at the moment. No, it does sort of have that ominous feel right now, doesn't it, Marcus? And Doyley speaking about where Liverpool are in the table in relation to those chasing Champions League football. We said a few weeks back the title was gone, then maybe second was best. But are we looking at fourth being best case scenario now for Liverpool? Yeah, I think I think it is. And it's it's obviously got huge consequences if, if Liverpool don't don't finish fourth. They've handed out big contracts and big contracts are still you'd assume are in the works. You've got Salah's contract running down. There was obviously talk about extending Van Dijk's deal too and, and finishing in the top four is is crucial to, to keeping the best players at the club, which has been FSG's main aim really over the last few years and a lack of Champions League football. The revenue that comes with that would be obviously a massive massive um dent to the club to the clubs and the owners' plans and, and, and that ties into transfers too. This a lot of people have been saying, is it time to, to freshen up the front three? Is it time for one of the three to go? And what, it comes back to, would anyone, uh, the problem that, that Liverpool managed in the past, the face of would people want to come without Champions League football? There's obviously talk of Kylian Mbappe, which is probably not feasible from a financial point of view. And then Erlen Haaland's obviously a name that is linked with every club now, but he is, these these types of players just aren't, aren't going to come without, without Champions League football. So I think fourth has to be the target. Obviously, they're still still in the Champions League and knockout football might favour Liverpool, and that is that is obviously another route into the Champions League. Obviously, it would be a big ask to go go through and win it, but I think I think fourth has to be the main aim over the coming weeks. Obviously, the title's gone. Probably the place, as as Doyle said, the the places underneath second and third are probably gone as well. So I think fourth has to be the aim, and I think they should probably just put all put all their eggs in the Champions League basket as well and hope for a, a favourable run. See if they can pull out performance like Leipzig in, in the later rounds yeah Doily two wins in the last 11 since Christmas from which Liverpool have fallen from top spot and only taken nine points in that time only Southampton Newcastle and West Brom have 
got more, uh, got fewer points, sorry, than Liverpool in that time. And of course, Liverpool have dropped points against all three of those themselves. Is this now, are we at rock bottom for this season for, for Liverpool, do you think? Um, well, I suppose from the position in the table then, yeah. I must admit that I'm not massively alarmed by what's happening, simply because we know exactly what's happened. It would be more weird if all of this was happening and everybody was playing, then you'd be like, well, what, what on earth has happened to the team here? You can just go through every single injury one by one and explain. Theo mentioned the fullbacks. The reason that the fullbacks are playing like that is because they don't have centre-backs alongside them that can come across and cover. They haven't played with them often enough. And then they haven't got the defensive midfielders that can drop in when they go forward because Fabinho and Henderson out there, they've been playing centre-backs. So it, it just goes round and round and round in circles. It keeps on coming back to the injuries and there's nothing really you can do about some of those. Basically, everything that Jurgen Klopp said at the start of the season in terms of it being a tough campaign, there's going to be this, that and the other, has come true. And so this is why he wanted five substitutes. That's long gone. And he probably wanted it more than anybody else, almost as much as anybody else, because he knew what would happen to his team, because he knows the way that Liverpool play. And... You know, we, we, we're going to go on about probably a bit later on about the top, the front three and this, that, and the other, and why aren't they performing? Well, well, Mohamed Salah is the top scorer in the Premier League, so he's doing okay. And I know some of them might be penalties, but he's scoring a lot of goals that aren't penalties. Um, Firmino's playing in a team that's not now not set up to be, you know, to to to, to make the most of his qualities, which is what. If you look at when he first start, first joined Liverpool, he was playing out on the wing, wasn't he? Under Brandon Rodgers, didn't really do anything. Then Klopp comes in, builds a team kind of around him that comes, plays to his strengths, and look, he ends up being such a, you know an important part of where when he doesn't play, people Liverpool people say that Liverpool don't perform as well as they should do. But it's a completely different Liverpool team now, which is another reason why Thiago hasn't done as well as perhaps he should do because he was bought to play in a Liverpool team that now he's not the Liverpool team that he was expecting because of all the players that are missing. So. There's a reason for all of it. I'd be more alarmed if these things were happening and we were like, well, why is that? I can't explain it. But it's, it's easily explainable. The worst thing for Liverpool is that there's nothing they can do about almost any of it. These players, most of these players aren't coming back. They've obviously brought in two centre-backs. One of them hasn't kicked a ball. The other one, and I think we don't, I know I do the ratings of giving him five and two of his three games, but... I can only judge it from how I see it in the way he's playing. But he's a 20-year-old lad. He'll be playing at the bottom of the Bundesliga and been asked to come into a Liverpool team with all of those centre-backs out and then said, come on, turn our season around. That's a, that's a massive ask. Although he did look as though he'd never played in wind before, I have to say, during the Everton game. Which, given the fact that he's going to play most of his games at Anfield and he's going to be training most, most of the time at Kirby, is a bit of an issue because they are two of the windiest places in Merseyside. So... I think I would like to also take up uh, on what Marcus just said about the Champions League qualification. I don't necessarily make, think that makes any difference in terms of players wanting to come, because I think next season there will be, you know, we have rather open. The fans will be back in, and people still, you know, the clubs still sell themselves on the Anfield experience. And you know, we've said this a million times; they've been missing that this season. They're not the only team that's, you know, Sheffield United. They're another team who have, have missed their fans. Probably more than probably more than even Liverpool, to be honest. Given how well they did last season, the season before, so I think players will still want to come to Liverpool. And in terms of wanting to get rid of or sell one of the front three, who's going to buy him? Who's got the money? No one's got any money. And this is another issue for players who, who are going to be moving around. So I don't think everything's going to be as straightforward as perhaps it would have been one year, two years ago, if Liverpool were in this position. 
No, I'm with you, Doily, there on Liverpool selling themselves. I mean, United, for example, bought Paul Pogba when they were out of the Champions League. So it can be done. I don't think it is the, the, the be-all and end-all, albeit for some of those mega stars. It definitely is. But Theo, picking up on the theme Doily said there about the injuries, Jamie Carragher maybe emotionally said during the derby on, on commentary on Sky Sports, the injury excuse can only go on for so long. It shouldn't be sort of a reason why things are quite this bad, but... They're long-term injuries. So it's going to be a long-term effect on Liverpool, isn't it? Yeah, I saw a tweet over the weekend. I think it was about Manchester City's injury problems last year. I think it was the most they ever had out for once was six players for one game. Liverpool have had at least six out for like 22 games out of the 25 now. And it is the spine of their team. And as Doyle elaborated there, it does have that knock-on effect across the board. Like if you don't have, say, Fabinho or Henderson in front of the back four, then the defence don't have that protection and the fullbacks can't get forward as much. The forwards, it, they're doing it on their own because they don't have Trent and Robertson right up there alongside them. And it's just like, it becomes tiring, doesn't it, for the rest of the squad. When you lose those players, you lose those leadership and you're playing so many games, you're going to be fatigued anyway. And you don't have a Jordan Henderson scream at you to get it together. You don't have Virgil van Dijk heading everything away or clearing up any little mistake you make. It's just falling apart and it's the feeling the strain. It would be hard for any team. If you went through any team in the Premier League and said, right, I'm taking out X, Y and Z. And then for a little bit, you're going to miss A and B. And that's going to be for half your games. How would any of them cope? Yes, it's a tired excuse now, but it's a tired excuse because it has been a season-long issue. Normally, teams have long-term injuries, and it's a month, two month. It goes longer for a couple of players. Not half your team now. Like Henderson could easily be out for the rest of the season. Fabinho's had a couple of layoffs where it's been, what, a month at a time. We know Van Dijk, we know Gomez, we know Matip. It's just the only surprise is that it hasn't struck any of the front three yet. Yet The one out of them who looked most informed when he was coming in was Joe Goyota, and it feels so long since we last seen him play. And it doesn't help with the fixture list because the games are coming so frequently. It feels even longer without them. Uh, it's just, well, what can Liverpool do? Yota might be back, but that doesn't mean it's going to sort out the defence or the midfield. It doesn't mean they're going to start creating chances that they haven't been in the last few weeks. You've just got to hope that they can find somewhere to get this life back into the team. And it's going to be so much harder without Anderson because they've shown this season how much more they need that leadership and it's not there now. Yeah, on that, on losing another leader, Marcus, at the beginning of last season, what was it? The four-man leadership group of Virgil van Dijk, Jordan Henderson, James Milner and Jeannie Wijnaldum. Well, three of those are now injured. Jeannie Wijnaldum's contract is ticking down. I suppose even more important than ever, even last season, to have as many of those leaders on the pitch at once to sort of energise the team with no crowd in. And, well, as I say, three of them now injured. That Jordan Henderson injury coming at the worst possible time. Yeah, and as Theo mentioned there, it's it, it, the injuries really have ripped that spine out of Liverpool team. You look at the uh, the impact that Van Dijk had when he came in. You could see it from the first game that he sort of he raised the performances of everyone. You look at you look at the impact of Ruben Diaz at Man City. That's one world class defender in that Man City defense, and he's completely changed their fortunes at the back. Their defensive records has been impeccable. You look at John Stones' performance; he has, he has lifted Stones to. To keep an eye on Laporte out the season, who everyone last season used that as a, as a main excuse for for City not challenging Liverpool, but people forget that he was back in January anyway. It's not like a, it's not like Van Dijk who, who's out for the season, Gomez out for the season, Matip out for the season. 
that the impact of having those leaders, those key players in in key areas of the pitches, is, is it has it has a, a domino effect for the rest of the team. And now uh, I think it's just it, it, the recent performances have given teams a blueprint of how to how to explode, expose this Liverpool team. The struggling against the low block and that defensive fragility is, is is on show. That if they get one or two chances, teams are scoring. Three, the worst thing Liverpool could have done against Everton was concede early because it just gave Everton everything they needed to follow that blueprint of just sit back. Liverpool have, have struggled against the low block and then on the counter, they don't have to, the, 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 the defenders won and then the midfielders to stop that counter-attack. And it's it's been more of the same, really, and I don't see a change in really, especially with Henderson being out. Kabak, probably not Phillips gets a run on the team. You've got to look at Ben Davis. Does he have a go? And where does Fabinho come in? Does he stop, slot back into midfield because Liverpool desperately <coughs> needs him in there? Or does he go back into that back four and Liverpool have got to continue playing with? If Kate is fit, it's probably got to be Jones, Thiago and Genie because Milner's out, Henderson out. This Klopp's so limited in his options that I, I don't see it getting any better. No, it does look as though it's going to be a while. Marcus, thanks. Yeah, yeah that, that, that really cheered that, that, that really cheery tone. Uh, before we move on from the derby, let's talk about refereeing. We saw the issue at Leicester last week. Mane given a nudge ball over the top and led to Leicester's second. But quick one on the penalty. Everyone, I'm sure, listening in will be screaming. However, they are listening in, thinking they've not even spoken about the penalty. Doily, what did you think? Who cares? <laughs> who cares I mean let's be honest I mean obviously being there straight away in the run of the game it was straight away oh, that's a penalty you know he's quite clearly just brought him down because he was going to score then you saw the replay and then most of the people I was sat around were like hang on that's not a penalty he's fallen over into it but there's no way the referee was going to change his mind so just one of those things I think Liverpool got used to it what I also like to point out that if you want a comparison for Liverpool's injuries just for the sake of it. It was the equivalent of Everton starting the game without Godfrey Mina, Keane and Holgate and playing with Allen at the back. And then he gets injured as well. And they alongside a lad they've just brought in and somebody like, and I know he's on loan somewhere else, but Matty Pennington playing at centre-back as well, which which has happened in the past and Everton have lost Derby. So it's just putting into context for, for all the loads of Everton fans who will be listening to this uh, podcast and wanting to know what kind of impact it would have had on their team. But uh, what was the question? The just, penalty, just, yeah. Just was it a right. I was just yeah, going to ask everyone if they thought it was a penalty. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It, you know, it's just like... I would like to point out, I know Marcus is very, very downbeat there about the way things are going to go for the rest of the season, and he's right, they will do. But I can tell you this now, if these teams try this against Liverpool next season, they're going to get absolutely battered because Liverpool, even if they get half of their players back, they'll be much better. And the other thing is the crowds will be back in. And I've been saying this for almost the entire time they've been back playing. And I know a guy have said this about Arsenal, is the fact that when they won the FA Cup last season playing that way, they'd never get away with that playing playing that at home because the fans will be on them saying, what are you doing? You can't just play defensively. It won't. They won't be able to do it. And I think it's no coincidence for me that if you go through every single team, they've got some kind of crazy record, either for or against this season. Yeah, I don't need to go through them all. We know Liverpool's. Everton have got some United City on the like how many games have they won in a row? Yet they got beat five two by Leicester. You know, all that kind of stuff. It's just a very strange season. And I think next season will be more like the previous seasons. And I think it may end up being a bit of a surprise for one or two, because 
given how far, far Liverpool have fallen, I think next season they'll be right up there again, no matter who's playing for them. When you started, yeah, I don't want to be that... like too downbeat. Yeah, Sorry. no, it's fine. I don't want to be too too, too downbeat, but as as Dwayne was saying, I just do, I, I do, I do agree, and I think this this season is just a bit of a write off for me personally. I just think. Like you, you, the penalty decision alone, you look at it, it goes over to the VAR, you just start a new reason. Oh, it's not going to overturn that. And it wouldn't surprise me if he did send them off or something, something like that, especially after the, the Derby incident and the countless VAR decisions that you, you're not even hopeful are going to go Liverpool's way this season. On top of that, with the injuries, you just think for me, this season is, is a write off. And as Doyle said, I don't think if, te- if teams think that this is going to be the same Liverpool next season, then they have got another thing coming. I think obviously. The defense being settled, but I also, I also, people, I think people are going to see the true, true side of Thiago. I know Klopp mentioned that he's, he's going to come in and bring a different dynamic to Liverpool, but he's not being able to do that. He's not, he's not, he's not playing in the team he was signed to play in for. And I think with a, with a, a full, full, fully fit defense with Fabinho behind him, you're going to see Thiago splitting the lines and, and, and the true Liverpool that he was signed to play for. Yeah, definitely. Dolly, as you started saying there again about Liverpool w- won't be sort of like this next season, I was going to say, I know I wear the, the silly headset, but I thought you were going to go full Kevin Keegan for... for <laughs> I would, I, yeah, I would love it. Yeah, yeah I would yeah. love it. <laughs> uh, Theo, just before we move on, one word, penalty or not? Oh, so you want me to answer your question, not the one that Doyle answered? Yeah, on the penalty. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> um, it's one where at the time I saw it and I thought, I don't think it is. What what can he do? It looks like Calvert Lewin's going down anyway, but then it's one where you look at the rules and it's like, well, that is a penalty in this game now, and it's one where you can see any incident and you know it's going to go VAR monitor and you don't know which way the referee's going to give it. Any decision can be changed on a different day. As we saw the David Luiz one a couple of weeks ago, he got sent off for that. The officials are saying today, yesterday, that Trent should could have been sent off, and like they would have been outraged for that. But if you go in letter of the law, it's probably the correct decision and just shows that there is something wrong with the laws and there is something wrong with VAR and the way it's used because it's taken the, the fun out of the game there's no common sense to it now and it's like it's just not enjoyable like we saw it against Leicester didn't we with offsides at the tightest of margins and it's like what you're judging is offside what aren't you judging is offside and now for decisions like that Trent can't move out the way Calvert-Lewin is can only make go on that one path to him but if you're running into him you know you're going to go down it's just yeah doesn't really make sense. It's the correct decision, but something needs to change. That's what made the Champions League that 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 much fun to watch late uh, the other day because there was none of this VAR nonsense. They just got on with it. I mean, they were checking, but they were just doing it straight Very away. And it wasn't just Liverpool. Yeah. It was the it was the other games. They, they take way too long, don't they? I mean, perhaps it's just the officials in England that are just aren't particularly good. Let's be honest. Probably you don't hear it in like France, Italy, or Spain, do you? When they're using VAR, it's like oh, another big incidents. Well, they'll be talking about this penalty one all over the world, won't they? So you just don't get it overseas. And they're using VAR a lot longer than in the Premier League. And they seem to be doing it right because we certainly aren't. I know. And then you've got something like Harry Maguire where he tries to take off Lascelles' head against Newcastle, which you know wasn't, wasn't particularly clever, but it's not given. I think just a bit of consistency. The only thing that they're consistent is consistently and consistently terrible. Yeah, definitely. If you want to discuss the laws of the game, at Theo Squires <laughs> Echo is your, your best place to do that. Anyway, Top of our site for that, mate. Matt, 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 Matt's Matt the one for it. Matt Addison's the one yeah, for Matt, the laws Matt, of the game. Matt is actually a yeah, qualified referee, uh, Matt yeah. Addison, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he is the guy to, to take it up with. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
let's move on from the derby. Let's talk about moving forward for Liverpool. Doyle, you sort of hinted at it before. One guy who's coming for a fair bit of flack is Roberto Firmino. I know you've said all through this season that Liverpool were playing a bit of a risky game, even going into the season with the same front three. Has Klopp been too loyal to to these guys or is it a bit unfair that Roberto Firmino's coming in for so much flack right now? Well, it's not unfair. He's not been too loyal. He's just out to me, hasn't he? Because Jota's been out. You saw that when Jota was available, he was playing. Uh, he was either coming on quite early on or he was or he was starting matches. So I don't think it's so much that. I think it's more, you know, Minamino possibly hasn't quite... And I know he scored the two goals for Southampton, but... Oh, what a surprise. He's suddenly playing for a team that isn't playing against teams that are completely set up defensively against him. So he's suddenly getting spaces and he's getting goals, which he was never getting at Liverpool. Um, Origi's just not quite done it. I mean, the problem Liverpool have had is that nobody, you look at Werner, Werner, sorry, and I know he's not done particularly well at Chelsea, but there's no guarantee that would have happened at Liverpool. But there are players who've thought, I don't want to go to Liverpool because I know I'm not going to be playing. Certainly from number nines, because they know Firmino's been that important for the, the way Liverpool play. And he, as I said before, he, when he plays normally, Liverpool play well. So it's just that Firmino's never been a scorer, hasn't he? He's always been somebody who facilitates the others. He does get the odd goal, and, and they tend to be quite good goals. But he's, what Liverpool need at the moment is someone up there who could, uh, and, you know, a normal old style number nine, just get on the end of these crosses, get on the end of these crosses across the area, you know, just, just, barge your way through, you know, and they don't have that. I mean, they, they probably thought Origi could be somebody like that, but it's quite clear that his star's fallen quite a lot. And other than that, then you're looking down, even if you're looking, even if you're looking in like the under 23, someone like Paul Glatzel, he's injured or he has been injured. And then, then who's underneath that? Then you've got Leighton Stewart, who only scored his first goal for the under 23s at the weekend. So, you know, a bit of a big ask for them. But, you know, with Jota coming back, I think he's somebody who will... Certainly, the minute that he gets fit, he'll be in and around that front three and he'll be playing most of the games because above anything else, it can give one of the other three a rest. No, definitely. And Marcus, sort of looking at that, Salah's obviously continued to score goals. He's he just a, an output machine. But for me, no, it is one goal in his last 11. He's got two assists in that time, albeit one of those came off the bench. But Sadio Mane's been struggling as well, only one goal in eight games for him and only three in the last 18. It does feel as though at least one of those needs a rest and Diogo Jota, hopefully, back in full training this week and not too long before he's back out on the pitch for the Reds. Yeah, I think Jota's return is obviously going to be huge and especially for the rest of the season. And But I do think that his goals early in the season were papering over, over the cracks a little bit, I think, especially, but that is obviously as a result of the injuries. But I think I think Liverpool are getting to that point now where they need to try something different. I think obviously Klopp's tried and tested with the four three three and it's it's had massive success. But I think if teams are going to continue to play in this low block, then Jota's return could you know give them a rest. But I think I think Jota needs to come in and play with that front three in the, in, the, in that four two three one shape that we've seen at times. Maybe moving Salah to the centre, dropping Firmino a little bit deeper to, because he, he is struggling. I think he's been out of form for a while, but he is the one who's struggling most against this low block. He, he works best in space and obviously he's got zero. Salah's in the form of, probably in the form of his career. He's still managing to score goals and I think shifting probably Mane back over to the right just to try something different, putting Jota on the left of the three with Firmino in the hole and Salah going as a central forward. I think that that's something that Klopp should look at in the next few weeks, just to try something different because the, the form is is dreadful. 
and they just need to, to mix it up because teams now, I've, I've mentioned before, they have that blueprint, that low block. The teams are just setting up defensively and it, nothing's going to change because everyone's, everyone's looking at the same way, looking at Everton, looking at the games that Liverpool have lost at home. Teams are going to continue to set up in that way. So I think I think adding an extra attacker with someone as clinical as Jota on either foot, I think that could be could be key to seeing the goals flowing and 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 if that if they spread the goals out amongst them, I think confidence is is going to be boosted and hopefully it can turn fortunes for Liverpool. No, definitely, Theo. What's your take on sort of the the issues at the top end of the pitch? For me, no, he had a couple of chances against Everton. The first half, it seemed as though there was one he could have taken first time, but. Tried to get a touch in there first and second half, of course, had another couple of efforts. Never really looked like he was going to score. Um, it's a confidence thing with Firmino. I think uh, fans judge him pretty much on 17-18 when he got what over 20 goals and he was scoring goals. But that's when defences were higher up, when Liverpool were this unknown quantity. You didn't know just how good the front three are. Um and then you've still got, well, Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah will tell you they wouldn't score as much if Roberto Firmino wasn't on the pitch. It's just the whole Liverpool setup at the moment. It's not as effective. Uh, Firmino is a scorer of big goals and you can normally overlook it and forgive it when other players are scoring, when the team are doing well. It's happened before with Liverpool. Like you think Dirk Cout, he always stood up and was counted when the team needed him. But he was a big money signing at the time who didn't get the goals consistently year after year. He was just fortunate because he had like Fernando Torres, Steven Gerrard to do it. And Liverpool are normally okay because Salah will get them goals, Mane will get them goals. And for the whole time, they haven't had to worry about dropping points because they'd normally get the results. And there's just more scrutiny on him now because they're not getting the results. If you want to judge him on performances, it's probably since um, he missed the end of the Champions League winning season. Yeah, he came back for the final, but he's been inconsistent since then. But he's not the only one. Like If you look at the Premier League scoring charts this season and compare it to last season, how many of the big names from last year are actually having good seasons, scoring lots of goals? Like Vardy, he's had a few injuries. He's done all right. He's not been exceptional. He's one of the better ones, though. Aubameyang's not done it. Ings hasn't got as many. Sterling's not got as many. Jimenez is missing in action for his injury. Martial, Rashford, Aguero, Abraham. Mohamed Salah and Son are pretty much the only two that are doing it consistently after last year. So it's not just a Liverpool and Roberto Firmino issue. It's across the whole division because teams are against all the top teams are defending deeper because they don't have the fans putting the pressure on them. And it's just because Liverpool, the reigning Premier League champions, they dominated so emphatically last year. And it's such a contrast from what we've seen from the last two, three seasons that there's more pressure on the players there because they're not getting the results and because they've got such a lengthy injury list. Yeah. I think the thing about Firmino as well is that it only seems to be at home. If you look at Liverpool's last five away games, against Leipzig, he pressures, pressured Sabitzer into doing that pass back from when he scored the opener. Against Leicester, he does that great assist for, for Salah for his goal. Against West Ham, he comes off the bench and sets up the goal for Wijnaldum. Against Tottenham, he scored, didn't he, the opening goal from, from where he, the kind of goal that we wish we could score more often from about one yard out, and he had a very good game. And against United in the FA Cup, he set up two goals for Salah. So he's not, it's, he's doing quite well away from home. It's just at home, which is where we come back to. That's where teams are more inclined just to put everybody behind the ball, and he hasn't got the space in which he can operate, which is why Liverpool need, you know, they haven't got the option of this kind of other forwards, which is why they need Jota back as soon as possible. Is it though, maybe, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get hit down here. Saw in the second half against Everton, Mane went through the middle for a bit and Firmino sort of dropped off towards the left. Is it not a chance to give Divock Origi a run of games? I think they said on commentary that it was his 100th Premier League game, 66 of which have been as a, a substitute. Is it time 
Uh, Doily, I'll ask you to to actually give Origi a bit of a, a run of games because he, he comes in every so often. We judge him straight away, and he never seems to do much. But surely he needs a run, doesn't he? I think I think am I right in saying that he's actually featured in eight of the last eleven games? I wrote something like this. I think that was the, the yeah, stat. It's something like he that. Started against he Burnley, started, he the started bar, didn't against he? Burnley and he started at West Ham. And I thought obviously Burnley missed that chance, which he basically did everything but score. Yeah. Then. Against West Ham, I thought he did all right actually, till he had to go off. I think he he, he offered a little bit more, but Liverpool played four four two that day. I think Liverpool have been slightly more varying the tactics and I think people think and they did go 4-4-2 in the second half for a while against Everton as you just mentioned so I think they are trying these other things the problem with the Rigi is that he needs the goal doesn't he he needs yeah. a goal and he's and with the Rigi for ha- in some ways the Rigi might make sense playing him partly because he, he's always he's never really fitted in with Liverpool's plan the clock he's always been like the wild card he just goes on and does whatever not whatever he wants but he's always does something different so it's it's unpredictable which is why he gets the you know he gets these big goals so perhaps that's something but you probably wouldn't want to rely on him to get to, you know get the goals that's going to get Liverpool back up towards the top four so does he deserve a chance I mean to be honest I actually think he plays against Sheffield United which I know a long way away from that but I think is exactly the kind of game where he can come in and do something yeah, and occupy defenders. Marks, what do you reckon? Do you reckon it's Divock time? Uh, not for me. <laughs> I just think I don't think. I mean, he's obviously he's a he's an Anfield hero. No one can take away the goals he scored. But I honestly, if if he didn't score that and have the, the impact off the bench, I think he would have been sold a long time ago. Um, he just doesn't fit into to this Liverpool team, and it's it's even small things I've noticed just from watching when he comes in on the, the end of games. Sometimes he doesn't. He's the freshest player on the pitch, and he's just not break. He should be breaking his back, closing everyone down, like pressing like a machine. He's he's these are tired players, and he he's he is coming off the bench for five minutes, and he sometimes he's, he doesn't he just he slopes like runs about doesn't doesn't really offer much. I don't think he's the answer. I think I Jota coming back in. I I'd, I'd even be inclined to potentially move move Curtis Jones up to a, to a number 10 for some games and maybe give Naby Keita to try in, in the number 10 if he can get a run of games and get prove his fitness. I think that's that's rather the best way to, to do something di- different rather than bringing a Rigi in. Theo? Uh, it's too late to ask this question when Yacht is nearly back. It would have been the right time to ask it when he first got injured. Oh, sorry. When uh, Liverpool needed those options. But you think if you're going to give a Rigi opportunity... You'd have done it on Saturday, wouldn't you? He needs a goal, but who does he always score against? Everton. For those home games when teams are defending deep, you want that striker who can bully them a bit. And you know if Origi gets one goal, then he'll go on a run. He'll get some form going. Like we think about his best moments in his Liverpool career, then when he's had those sorts of runs. And maybe things would have been very different in the past month or two if he'd scored that chance against Burnley that he didn't. It was a chance he should have buried and he missed it and Liverpool have just fallen apart even more since he's not a top quality option the same as the front three that's what you hope yacht can be consistently uh, i think there's some quotes weren't there from max cruz over the weekend last week said if Origi hadn't scored in the champions league semi-final in the final he was sold he was gone they'd agreed a deal to get cruz in to replace him and then Jurgen klopp changed his mind quite rightly but it feels like Origi's time's been and gone he is a liverpool hero when he has had the opportunities, he's just not done it. And it's not just this season when he's been in and out. He wasn't doing it last year either. Um, if they wanted to try him and they wanted to do something different, Jürgen Klopp have already done it. This is when you time when you look lacking of players and you're out of form. That's when you turn something new. 
it just seemed a bit desperate now as the last throw of the dice. He's not the answer, really, is he long-term? You know he's probably going to go in the summer. Okay, no chance for a final swan song for him then. Killed him? Yeah, totally exactly. Yeah. Him. Don't worry, Divock, if, Divock if, if, if you're listening, Divock, I, I, would, I would give you a go in the team, mate. But anyway. That was just the, a verbal Fuenes Mori on him, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Um, right, in terms of looking at where Liverpool do go then, and Doyle, you said in the summer you still think Liverpool have the, the pulling power. What is number one priority on Jurgen Klopp's shopping list? Is it a centre-half? We've briefly touched on Ozan Kabak. He's under audition. Is it a centre-half instead that Liverpool need to go and buy or is is a forward player the, the main priority? Centre-half, a midfielder, a forward. Yeah, but which one? Possibly which, a wide Who's number player. one? What's number one? Not all of them. All of them. There is no there is no priority. It's it's. I know what you're trying to get me to say. I'm not going to say it. Who, Erling Haaland? Uh, no. But, no, no <laughs> so, I don't think that there isn't one priority. I mean, this goes back to what I was saying before. Who's going to sign all of these players? Hello to the cat, by the way, behind Marcus. Um, <laughs> what's he doing? Anyway. Um, so, yeah, I don't think... Cat, 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 cat. Oh, it's, 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 oh hello. Um, no, seriously, what is the cat doing now? Right? <laughs> uh, she's a black cat, okay. so she's, uh, she's what she wants, to be honest. Yeah, right. Okay, no, I don't think there's going to be one priority. I think um, it will... As we said before, I don't think there's going to be as many moves as people think. This is why the whole Genie Wine album contract thing is going to be interesting to see what happens. Barcelona aren't doing particularly well. Does he actually want to go there? Uh, will they be able to afford his wages or anything like that? So we'll have to see what happens there. I think there will be some. There's always been an evolution. I think people forget Liverpool sank three players last summer. Problem is, most they've been all injured for a long time, uh, and one of them's barely played anyway. And then they've just signed another two players. In January, whether either of those two stay beyond the end of the season, I'm, I'm very much unsure. Obviously, with Ben Davies, you have to wait and see whether he actually gets a game at any point, see what he's like. Um, I just think if, if you're looking at, a, if you want to press me on a priority, I would imagine it's probably going to be a midfielder. Right. Okay. Midfielder for, for Doyley, we got there eventually. Marcus, where's priority for you? Um, I think priority has to be striker. I think Van Dijk and Gomez coming back, if they can stay fit, then that's that's the two centre-backs sorted. Obviously, they, do, they definitely do need a more reliable backup for those two, whether that's Kabak or someone else. But I just think I think it's time to freshen up the, the front three. And even if it's keeping the front three, I think, like I, like I was saying before, about that 4-2-3-1 shape that I think Liverpool can, can transition into. I think having that out-and-out out number nine, Someone who's just going to have one shot and score. I think that that is who Liverpool need now, and that's the probably the next step of the evolution. Whether that's someone, someone younger, obviously Haaland would be the player that everyone would want to sign. He's would get into every team. I think. I think. I, I'm. I'm not sure whether Liverpool could have done it when he was at Salzburg. I think obviously United tried to go for him, but they they've got him on the cheap, and I think he. But he could he could be a statement sign. I don't think he would, but I think that would be a huge statement of a ten sign and a player of Haaland's quality or. Or look, I've seen seen quotes from Patton Dacher this week. He's another player who's, who stepped into the Haaland, Haaland void at Salzburg and scoring goals are fun. Liverpool obviously have a have a very good scouting reputation, and whether whether someone is already earmarked and shortlisted, and I mean the the club a better better place to to know what he wants and know if it's into Klopp's club system. So I'm sure there'll, there'll be plenty of names who've already been scouted and watched. But I think uh, yeah, striker striker should be the number one priority for me. 
Patson Decker, of course, scored against Liverpool in pre-season, didn't he, for for Salzburg in that game? Rian Brewster as well. What what could he he have done if he hung around? Well, he's not done much for Sheffield United. But Theo, yourself, um, priority. Well, Doyle said midfielder. Marcus said striker. What do you think I'm going to say? Goalkeeper. <laughs> Goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be a centre back for me. Um, just it's not as easy as Van Dijk's back. Gomez is back. Everything is fine. Because Joe Gomez is notoriously a player who takes a long time to heal from injuries to recover and get back to his best. We've seen that before. When he did his ACL, I think it was a good six months or so, something after he'd made his return, before you even got him anywhere near the Liverpool first team. He'd only made a couple of cup appearances under Klopp. And then it still took him like half a season to get going again. And we've seen it before with him. Like when he got injured at Burnley, he took a while to come back from that. Uh, Joel Matip, we know, can't be relied on. It's just too many injuries now. You're missing him for half a season, every season. He's a quality player when he's fit. and it's You can excuse it as a backup option, but what's the point of a backup option if he can't play? And then Virgil van Dijk, yes, we know he's an exceptional player. He's the best defender on the wor- in the world, or at least he was before he injured his knee. We don't know how well he's going to recover, how quickly he's going to recover. Like we mentioned Manchester City, didn't we, earlier in the podcast, the fact that Laporte's not got anywhere near that starting level on form this year. Well, he, he could still be feeling his way back. It could be the long-term effects of it, and Van Dijk might need that bit of time too. Um, you look at the other options, I think Nat Phillips, he's, he's out of contract. doesn't matter how well he plays. Jurgen Klopp not using him unless he absolutely has to. Has to Says uh, he's probably not going to still be around. Kabak doesn't look like the answer for me, but then it's probably too early to write off a 20-year-old. You've killed basically everybody here, haven't you? <laughs> basically, you've, you've yeah, just he's... destroyed every single player for Liverpool. I'm just saying they need a centre-back, Doily. <laughs> <laughs> We've been saying for over a year now. Um, yeah, they need a centre-back because otherwise they're going to potentially be in the same boat next year where uh, Joe Gomez is injured again, Joel Matip's injured again, Kabak still can't cope with wind or whatever if they do sign him permanently. Ben Davis is, I don't know, still trying to get Celtic to call him again and say he should have gone there to finish second in Scotland rather than finish sixth in England. He's just uh, now he's destroying clubs, honestly. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to discuss <laughs> Liverpool's uh, squad or, or club stature or anything like that, at Theo Squires yeah. Echo on Twitter, yeah. your place to do that, right? What you making? What are you making a lockdown fear? What do you think of the government's roadmap? <laughs> go, go on, just 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 go for it. Go for all of it. Oh no, we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> podcast special yeah. dropping soon. Yeah, no. Anyway, yeah. Uh, last last thing before we we leave, then looking at Liverpool's season, and we're making jest of it being in ruins, but. That's the state we find it in, Marcus. Is it, is it all now on the Champions League? Back to 2005 and Liverpool finish fifth and win the Champions League and get qualification like that? I think I mentioned earlier, I think the Champions League, especially the knockout format, could help Liverpool. And Liverpool have obviously struggled against the low block. I don't think... and I, I, We've seen it through the uh, the Champions League run. We destroyed some <laughs> massive teams. Like, And I think the way the, way the bigger teams tend to play... It's also the, the the reason Bar City Liverpool have tended to perform against the bigger teams in the Premier League this season because they're not as willing to to sit eleven men behind the ball. I think I don't think Leipzig are going to do that. They can't afford to. And then whoever we draw in the next round, if we, if we do beat Leipzig, then they're not going to play the same way as well. And I think the two legged knockout format could could favour Liverpool, especially with with getting those the front three back in back in form, getting Firmino back back to his best. So I think I think. 
I think I, I mean I don't know about any other Liverpool fans, but I'd swap I'd swap Premier League Premier League win for the Champions League win at any time. So I think finishing fifth with the Champions League win will be fine for me as long as we get get the number seven. Doily, it's in terms of summoning the spirit of two thousand and five back then. Sammy Hippier was sort of rotated in and out of the squad to make sure he was fit to be rolled out in big Champions League games and whatnot. I know Liverpool don't really have options to be able to do that, but should the Champions League now take priority and what options Klopp does have, he should sort of look to ensure his best possible 11 are fit for those Champions League games? If if Liverpool win the Champions League this year, it'll be the equivalent of being 7-0 down to AC Milan in 2005 with three minutes to go. I just don't think they've got too many, too many injuries. I now think we have, be everyone. We, have, we have to be realistic. We have to be realistic about it. Yeah. We don't need to go through all the injuries again. We know what's yeah. happened. No, no team would be able to cope with that. And so, why should Liverpool, even though they were literally like eighteen months ago, what was it, fourteen months ago, the best team in the world, and they were? You know, we've said it before. Everything that Liverpool's rivals would have wanted to go wrong for Liverpool over the past nine months is exactly what's happened. So we shouldn't be surprised that they're struggling. Uh, and I'll go as far as if they finish in the top four, that will be the equivalent of probably a as better achievement than reaching the Champions League final in 2018. That's how big a deal it would be because for the reasons we've said, obviously, it would set them up for next season, but also because they would have to they would have to have won some massive games between now and the end of the season where in the last two months it doesn't look like they, they could win any game, let alone against one of the main rivals like Chelsea or, or go into United and win and, and, and games like that. So I funnily enough, I think I think Klopp wouldn't want to finish fifth. He wouldn't want to be in the Europa League or whatever on earth it's called next season. Theo can tell me what, what it is. So I would League. imagine he'd is, Europa, uh, what's the, what's Europa, the Europa League what's conference. The Europa League conference. conference yeah. Yeah, could could, could, could drop into that one. Well, yeah. they'd rather not. So I think they'd rather finish fourth. And if they're not going to finish fourth, finish about eighth. So and I actually think that's one of those two things will happen and they won't win the Champions League. So there you go. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people after a derby defeat were probably hoping Blood Red was going to help lift spirits today. Certainly, We not. have lifted spirits. It's been full of jokes and, 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 and chat and cats. What, yeah. what are they called? Yeah, OK. Oh yeah, OK. Yeah. Theo, what do, you, what do you reckon? Champions League or bust or not going to happen? Um, they're not going to do it just because, well, they won it in 05. They were the underdogs, but you always fancied them on the day. Like against Juventus, Chelsea, AC Milan, there was always that little bit of belief there. You don't believe in the players at the moment. The players don't believe in themselves at the moment. <laughs> that, that belief's gone. Maybe a Champions League run can inspire it, but at the moment, it's hard to see it. Uh, if they do win it, of course, they qualify next season and it can be that get out for them. But then they had that, didn't they, when they finished, when they got to the Europa League final a few years ago, um, they didn't win that and the season fell apart. Like They had to basically give up the league position to do that and it was just a gamble that backfired. Uh, but now it's looking at it, it's probably the only way they can turn it around. So maybe Jurgen Klopp can get it on this way because if we know the league games aren't happening for them, uh, one-off games in Europe here and there where they're potentially not playing at Anfield and teams aren't as open to having to defend as deep. It can happen. But then if they got drawn against a Manchester City, at Atletico Madrid or whatever, is there belief that they can turn it on and beat them? I'm not so sure. 
No, certainly. Well, that's it for us here then, this edition of the Blood Red podcast. Plenty of offerings coming up across the Blood Red channel through the course of the week on our dedicated YouTube channel and also the podcast feed. If you can leave us a rating or review wherever it is you listen to your audio on demand, that is always more than appreciated. And don't forget, at Theo Squires Echo on Twitter to uh, get anything off your chest. He'll be more than willing to uh, answer anything you want to put his way. But from myself, Guy Clark, Ian Doyle, Marcus Banks, and Theo Squires. Thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.